TNA producer Bella here. If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can reach us via email at tensandaces21 at gmail.com. That's tensandaces, the number 21 at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, simply called The Tens and Aces Podcast, if you're still on Facebook anyway. Or you can catch us on the web by going to anchor.fm slash TA21. One of these losers in Las Vegas who keeps thinking he's going to come up with a way to win at Blackjack. Are you ready for some TNA? Welcome to TNA, the Tens and Aces podcast. A podcast with true-to-life stories and experiences from advantaged players in the game of Blackjack. From pros crushing it and making a living counting cards, to newer players who are just making their way through all the ups and downs of what can be, at times, both an equally frustrating and beautiful game of AP Blackjack. Is this the kind of thing you want to hear? Well, listen up, because we're about to give you some TNA. Here's your host, Mike AP. And welcome to the show today. As the man just said, I'm your host of this transmission of our experiment in imaginary radio that we like to call TNA, the Tens and Aces podcast. So if this is the kind of thing you want to hear, well, listen up, because we're about to give you some TNA. So today's show is going to be a little bit different. It's not going to be the typical show where I interview one guest or two guests and then that's the show. It's actually, I'm not going to be interviewing any guests. I'm just going to be introducing voice clips that listeners have sent in to the show with stories. I asked to keep the stories under five minutes or less. And then I present this episode where I put them all together. So here you go, folks. Hey, this is Savage Master here. This was while I was still in the learning basic strategy part of my training. I had just learned basic 100% and I wanted to go gamble with this new knowledge and see how much slower I would lose money and hopefully catch some good cards and maybe be up. Anyway, I got dealt a pair of fours versus a dealer six and I knew this one would not go over well. But I put down another bet and pointed my two fingers. The dealer said, do you want to double down? I said, no, I want to split the whole table. And the dealer were all saying, you never split fours. I said, Bob, you do versus a five or six, but only if doubling after a split is allowed. They came back at me with, no, honey, that's wrong. And somebody lied to you. Then the lady to my right said to the table in a very condescending way to me, just let him do what he wants. It's his money. So I did what I fucking wanted and I won both hands. The table went silent. Beautiful silence. Haha. <laughs> Gotta love ploppies. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Savage Master. That was a short and sweet little story that I think most of us can relate to. All right. Next up, here's another story from another listener. With bags under my eyes, I fell back onto my hotel bed after a long and disappointing day, wondering, what the fuck am I doing with my life? As I tried to sleep, I couldn't get the dark thoughts about the past and future out of my head, and laid staring into the void. 
the only light emanating from the alarm clock that still hadn't been changed for daylight savings. I continued pondering the decisions I had made that led me to this point in my life, as well as the future and how difficult it would be to change things for the better. My soul was as empty and pitch black as the void I stared into. The sunlight started to creep through the curtains, and the engine of a pickup truck could be heard from outside. Morning was already here, just as I was about to finally drift off to sleep. Seeing no point in delaying departure now, I slowly gathered my belongings. Having gone without sleep, there weren't any thoughts left over as the void inside of me shifted from pitch black to a lifeless beige. Like I had done many times before, I left the hotel casino at the crack of dawn. There was no purpose in leaving that early, other than to avoid oversleeping the checkout time after a night of contemplating quitting the professional gambling gig in lieu of sleeping. For lack of a better plan, I got on the interstate and figured I'd make up my mind about where to go next by the time I got to the next town and loaded up on caffeine to keep from nodding off. As I slowed down to 55 miles per hour to go through the construction that seems to always be in this part of the road, I flipped down the passenger side visor to block the morning sun that was peeking brightly over the mountain and glaring off the crack in my windshield that I've neglected to get repaired. I was no longer thinking about quitting, but rather where my next stop would be, where I'd be most likely to find a play big enough to make a dent in the big deficit from my last bankroll peak, which was created mostly in the last week. This wasn't anything new. I'd thought these thoughts, and driven these roads, and had to make these decisions several times over the years. This area had become sort of a working home for me. I pulled off the exit and turned right into the Love's Truck Stop parking lot. Now was as good a time as any to get breakfast at the attached McDonald's. Wondering why people were waiting at the vacant counter to order, I placed an order on the kiosk for an Egg McMuffin and a Diet Coke. Since I was already there, I figured I might as well step into the casino part of the truck stop to see if there was anything playable. Shockingly, a big max bet play sat there waiting for me. Somebody must have had some money to burn to pump that up. I loaded money into the machine and started furiously mashing the spin button to make things as quick as possible, while listening intently for my order number. Number 374, I hear. Unfortunately, the play was ongoing. I couldn't just leave for fear of someone else pouncing on it as soon as I got up. I also couldn't trust truck stop gamblers by leaving a $500 ticket in an unattended machine, even if it was only for a few seconds. Bing. Finally, 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 I triggered the bonus I had been chasing. Knowing that the cash out button would be disabled during the bonus, this was my chance to hustle over to pick up my order, which was now probably cold. I tipped the chair up and did a speed walk to the counter to grab my order and then hurried back to the casino section. There was a gambler staring at the machine with its bonus feature ongoing. I zipped past him and took my seat and then shot a glare back at him to give him the hint that I didn't want him watching me. I sped through the remaining bonus games and cashed out my ticket with a $300 win. Not enough to recover from the past week of video poker run bad, but it did make a small dent in the deficit. Waiting to cash out at these tiny truck stop casinos is always a slog. There's usually only one person working and they never seem to be at the desk. Take some tapping on the counter and whistling. To get their attention from the break room. Followed by an apology for the wait and then some gawking up the size of the cash out. They assume anybody cashing more than a hundred bucks must be a winner. They don't really care if you won or lost, but they want to seem interested to hustle for tips in the tip jar. Of course, it was too much to ask for this $900 ticket to be paid in all $100 bills. They insist on paying out $200 in 20s despite my pleading. I collect the cash and try to fit it into my wallet, which proves to be a chore with the eight extra bills that come from the unnecessary 20s. Now I could finally go sit down and eat my breakfast. As I lethargically nibbled on the cold McMuffin and stale hash brown patty, I looked around at the people patronizing the truck stop casino. 
It was depressing to see people so entranced by the lights and sounds of the slot machines, to the point that they were delaying their travels, letting their food go cold, and probably agitating the kids they had waiting in the car. Then it hit me. I wasn't much different from the degenerates slapping buttons in a trance. The only difference between myself and them is that I only play very specific situations with a positive expectation, and I'll make money over time. Other than that, though, I'm doing the same thing. Gambling at a truck stop, as soulless as the slot machine in front of me, which the industry categorizes as entertainment. Wow, what a well-written and well-said entry here from a listener who chooses to remain anonymous. But I think some of you might, just might, recognize his voice. So up next, here is another story of life out in the field and on the felt. Hey everybody, Lids AP93. Just wanted to log a quick short story from the tables about a month ago in Las Vegas. This was actually my second trip out to Las Vegas. I've been an AP for uh, going on 16 months now and have loved it. But anyways, I walk into a casino with a double deck game and I approach the table. There's two guys currently playing and I sit down in third base. They're sitting, one of them's at first base and one of them's just right in the middle in second base. So immediately I observed that they have no idea what they're doing. Um, hitting 16s against sixes, um, you know, standing on soft 17s, pretty much any egregious play that you can think of they were doing. One of them had never played blackjack in his entire life. The other one had played only one time. And so keep in mind these guys were also kind of rough looking. Um, I think they were gang members, to be honest with you. Um, they had, you know, the typical gang member persona, face tattoos, baggy clothes. Uh, they were chain-smoking cigarettes. and uh, <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I sit down, start winning pretty much immediately, and within, like, five or ten minutes, one of them goes, hey, uh, we need some help. We suck. Can, can you help us out with our playing decisions? And so I kind of look at them, I was like, Okay, well, I'm, uh, if I, I'll give you the, the optimal move, I'll help you guys out. Um, but if you lose, then you know, don't blame me. And I kind of just throw my hands in the air, being like, okay, don't kill me if, uh, if if you start to lose. But anyways, we immediately start winning, like all three of us. And one of them, the guy to my right, is getting all these picture perfect scenarios: tens against sixes. Uh, splitting nines against against a five and the thing is is he was scared to do all of that and so I kept spotting him the money to double down and to split and so we end up winning like three hands in a row um, where it was a double down or a split scenario and I spotted him the other half we split the profits by this time the table's going nuts these guys are freaking out and uh, one of them gets up he starts pointing at me and he's like this guy this guy's the shit right here this guy He's so good at blackjack, we're winning, yeah. And he starts just going crazy. I'm like, God, be quiet. Because this also was happening during a good count, and I had um, some, some pretty substantial bets on the table, and I didn't want the pit bosses coming over. But anyways, it was still, <laughs> he still just kept doing it. Anyways, um, about five minutes goes by. We're all still winning pretty consistently. We're accumulating chips and all that kind of stuff. And one of them just turns to me, and he goes, Hey, 
what can we get you, man? Like, can we get you some Hennessy, like some booze or anything like that? And I was like, well, actually, guys, I don't drink alcohol and sobriety. They're like, okay, well, let's get you a, a prostitute. You want to hook her son up to your room tonight? What room are you in? I was like, uh, you know, I'm actually going to have to pass on that, too. And they were like, okay, well, what can we get you? And so I look at both of them dead, uh, just dead serious. And I go, I would actually just like a blue Powerade. And they kind of just look at me for the next, like, 15 seconds, just blank stares, like, chain-smoking their cigarettes. And the one of, the one just points to the other, and he goes, yo, go get my boy a blue Powerade. So this guy gets up from the table, walks out of the casino, walks across the street into the gas station, buys my blue Powerade, comes back, and hand-delivers me a blue Powerade. And I was like... Oh my hell, this is the best blue Powerade of my life. It was kind of like a... I was being sarcastic, but they didn't really catch my sarcasm. But yeah, anyways, we all colored up and left and had a jolly old time. But it was kind of just a funny story where uh, I kind of threw them off guard. Um, I don't think they were expecting the blue Powerade. So, yep, that was it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> okay, so the blue Powerade, that's pretty funny stuff right there. <laughs> I really want to thank everybody for sending these stories in. But we're not done yet. Here is yet another one of the stories from Down the Felt. My wife and I are both APs, and a couple of years ago we had been through a losing streak of, I don't know, 80, 85 hours, and we had just been getting pummeled. Then for about a week we had spent down in Florida and... Uh, had really done some amazing things over the last 20 hours or so or the previous 20 hours or so so anyway we're at Hard Rock Hollywood out on the main floor not up in the we're just playing eight deck and just trying to bide some time to get the crowd out of that raised room right outside of high limits and so we're playing an eight deck shoe and the count is the best eight deck count I've ever seen in my life and we probably have three decks to play and um I can't remember what the count was, but it's ridiculous, like 35, uh, with a true count of over 10 or whatever it was, so big. And um, so it's my wife at fourth base or third base, whatever you call it, I'm sitting right to her right playing two spots, and then there's a gentleman sitting at first base, and he's playing one spot, and uh, then we put out three hands of 500 bucks, and... Um, so I can't remember what the first, yeah, the first guy got tens, I got two hands of tens, and my wife didn't get anything, and the dealer deal, deals herself a seven, and um, so I'm like, hey, hold up, you didn't deal my wife her cards, and so the dealer calls the pit boss over, and the pit boss says, well, just pull back your bets, uh, we'll, we'll burn the hand, I said, no, 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 we are not burning this hand we are absolutely playing and i just told my wife just pull your bet back we're playing and so the first guy is like well i don't know what to do do i play and i'm like well definitely play you stay in no he didn't have tens he had a nine and two or eight and three and he's like well what do i do i'm like man you definitely double down so the the dealer the, the pit boss leaves and the dealer's ready to ask us what we want to do and she just flips her card and it's a nine so she's got a 16, and I say, whoa, hold up. You didn't ask us what we wanted to do with our hands. So she flips back over her cards. She's got a hard 16. 
calls the pit boss back over. And the pit boss is like, no, we'll definitely burn the hand now. I'm like, no, 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 no. We are definitely playing the hand uh, because I have to split tens on her seven. Is that right? And the pit boss chuckles. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. You, you split uh, both of your uh, hands and then we'll let you play. So anyway, you know, the first guy is like, well, what do I do? Do I back out my hand? I'm like, no, definitely double down. She's got a 16. I split tens on a seven. I can't remember three or four times. And it, I end up with a couple of grand on the table and uh, I win that hand. I don't know. It was just beautiful. Two, three, four thousand dollars, whatever it was. And I just split tens as, as long as much as they was <laughs> they will let me. So what do I have? Like eight hands of five hundred or whatever it was. And I have twenties on all of mine. She flips over her nine, gets a sixteen, and then of course her next card is a ten. And then uh, that was the funniest, most entertaining shoe I had ever or hand I had ever played. And what a blast! I mean, to go from 80 hours of losing to 20 hours of majestic winning to having this hand where I split 10 on a dealer 7. Uh, it was wild and a really good time and a hand that I'll never forget. That was a great story. Much thanks to my Reddit listeners there. I, I put a post out a little while ago for listeners to send in stories on Reddit. So that's where that story comes from. The guy didn't leave his name, so... I'm not going to bless. I got his email address, but he didn't say what he wanted to be called. So we'll just call him the Reddit guy. All right. So further down the field, we have this story. Hey, Kelly here. So this isn't much of a story, but shit, I'm just going to vent here a little. So I was playing at this shop last night and uh, I had a max bet out and the count was at a true seven. The dealer had an ace up and asked for insurance. So of course I plop my $500 up, place it on the insurance line to insure my $1,000 hand. So the dealer checks her hand and she doesn't have it. Now I'm sitting on first base, so it's my turn to act first. And as I'm supposed to do, I hit my hard 12 and bust. The ploppy on third base proceeds to berate me, dress me up and down, telling me not only how stupid it is to insure in the first place, but how... His words, insanely stupid, ensuring a 12 is, I was so damn frustrated inside. I wanted to break it down for him. How incredibly stupid he was. Flat betting $500 a hand on a game with a negative expectation. But on the outside, I just grinned like Forrest Gump and said, well, life's like not having a box of condoms. You never know what you're gonna get. The table laughed. Well, all laughed, except the guy on third. He said, You really are a fucking idiot! I said, Sir, I guess I am. I guess I am. I guess I am. What a fucking idiot I am! He then says to me, You're not only a fucking idiot, you're a complete fucking bitch also. So, one of the other men playing at the table says, Okay, buddy, you're done here. Either leave the fucking table now, or I'll make you. The dealer then calls the floor who's already on the phone calling security, apparently. The two men have some very loud words between them, and the man who's had enough of the asshole punches him and the asshole falls to the ground. He's knocked out cold, fucking birds flying around his head and all. It was delightfully glorious. Anyway, security comes. Soon after this, they haul both men away and ask the dealer, the floor and the rest of us what led up to this situation. We explain and they get the picture and let those of us remaining at the table 
to remain at the table to play. We resume playing for about 45 minutes. There's nary an issue until I get the dreaded tap. They ask me to step away from the table. The table games manager says to me with a big grin on his face, Mom, we've determined that you are indeed not a fucking idiot. We've identified you as an advantage player. And as such, we're going to have to insist you no longer play table games here or at our two sister properties in town. By this point, I was actually down about $1,700. In hindsight, I probably... No. I absolutely should have coloured up and left because of the scrutiny the aforementioned incident put on the table I was at, and myself specifically. Oh well, you live and you learn, right? Yes, Kelly, you definitely live and you learn. And wow, what an asshole. That guy. That would have been so funny seeing that guy get knocked out. I probably would have been the guy fighting with him, if we're being honest here. But I digress. And here is the next story down the felt. Hey, love the pod. Have been playing once a week, three and a half hours, $10 min bet with a one to 12 spread. A few months ago, I was playing at a table with a few players, mostly retirement age women. After a dealer natural 21, they began whispering expletives to one another, except I had noticed it was not in English. They were speaking Russian, which was not really notable. However, the dealer, who was also a retirement age woman, asked, is that Russian? And the two of the players stated yes. The dealer said she was Ukrainian and had only been in the country six months and is a refugee. That made the table pretty awkward, and after a few words how their languages are similar, one of them left. Fast forward about a month, I'm back again, and see the same two women at the table. I was up a few hundred and had rat-holed a black chip in my pocket. As the count went negative, I stepped away from the table to make a phone call. When I had gotten back to the table, I noticed the black chip was no longer in my pocket and wasn't on the table either. As I frantically checked all my pockets, my jacket, under the table, the new dealer and the floor were asking me if everything was alright. I said I had lost a black chip. I hadn't gone far, only six feet away from the table to make the phone call. I'm in a pinch here because I don't want attention on me due to the counting. But if I lose that chip, I just lost several hours of EV. They offer to run the cameras back, and now my heart rate is going a little bit. I don't know what's going to happen. I may be discovered. I keep playing and have to buy in more with cash as some top bets didn't go my way and I didn't have that black chip to put back on the table. Now I'm being really risky as I was dropping and upping my bet with no cover plays, thinking this place is not likely to ever notice. About 10 to 15 minutes later, the dealer turns to me and says, this gentleman behind you would like to speak to you. He asks for an ID, which I give him. I know I shouldn't have, but I did. He says we are still reviewing footage. He then asks one of the Russian women to step away from the table and they walk a little bit away to have a discussion. At this point, the table is reacting, and we're all starting to put it together. The security guard leads the Russian woman away to the back, and after a few minutes returns to the table again. He says he watched the footage personally, and saw the black chip fall out of my pocket when I took my phone out to make the call, and that this woman picked up something. Given that the chip is missing in that time frame, they have enough to believe she took it. He wants to know if I want to press charges on her. I just say I want to be made whole. He kind of goes back and forth and says, it depends on if she wants to give it back. Sensing that this casino doesn't really care if I get my money back or not, I say, If I don't get that $100 back from her, well, yeah, I want the cops here, because there's no way a casino wants law enforcement on the property if they have the choice. He says I'll see what I can do and leaves. He's back in 60 seconds with a crisp $100 bill. I felt terrible and so embarrassed. 
as it was my fault, and told the guy I felt bad. I was previously in the surveillance business catching shoplifters for retail, so I know at minimum this security guard is going to have to serve the lifetime ban to this woman. Oops. I get back to the table feeling so bad, and then the other players start saying, I shouldn't feel bad at all. She stole from you! I guess they're right, and she got what she deserved. I tip the dealer and floor for their help on this day, just for their trouble. Hope the Russian woman is doing okay as long as she ain't stealing from anyone. Yet another great story, this time from listener Cynic Clinic. And last but not least, here's a story from friend of the show, Joe Miner, to finish off this episode. I'm still in my hotel room in Vegas, isolating myself after testing positive for COVID a couple of days ago. The casino extended my comp room until I can fly out. I've been thinking of recent stories to tell. Here's one that reminded me of an episode from Seinfeld. The one that had the line, no soup for you. I don't like playing strip casinos. This is just one more example. I started out with two or three good shoes, but lost every max bet. I bought in three more times before I started coming back. I was spreading nicely. After about two hours, I was halfway there. I had noticed earlier the pit boss picking up cards from the discard holder. Then he went to the phone. After that, he stood at the end of the pit watching the entrance to the high limit room as though waiting for someone. In walked this tallish black widow woman. She stayed a while. I wasn't able to spread because the count never went up. I was hoping it would. I wanted to force her to back me off. Then the count changed. I started spreading and winning when the original pit boss came over to say, no more blackjack for you, just like in Seinfeld. I had to say, I'm still down. Can't I play until I get even? He said, you can get even across the street. So I left. I didn't go across the street. Well, thanks, Joe. That was short and sweet. That's a good way to go out on this show. And I will see you guys down the felt. Carvana, they told us that selling cars 100% online wouldn't work. But we went to work. Building an experience that lets you shop over 17,000 cars from home. Creating a coast-to-coast network to deliver your car as soon as tomorrow. Recruiting an army of customer advocates to make your experience incredible. And putting you in control of the whole thing with powerful technology. That's why we've become the nation's fastest-growing retailer. Because our customers love it. See for yourself at Carvana.com. Uh-huh, honey. I don't give a who he's connected to. Tell him to take his feet off the table. What's he think this is a sawdust joint? Sir, would you mind taking your feet off the table and put your shoes on, please? Yeah, I would mind. I'm having a bad night. Full butch. Full security. How are you? 
Good, how are you? Good. You want to do me a favor? You want to take your feet off the table and put your shoes back on? F*** you. I want you to exit this guy off the premises, and I want you to exit him off his feet and use his head to open the door. Sir, you're going to have to leave. You mind accompanying us outside? Get the call. Ace, what happened over there? I mean, did you know that guy you threw out was with me? No, I didn't know that, but you know what he did? Nah, insulted Billy. Then I walked over to him politely. Tells me to go f myself. What? Then he called me a so what? Oh, oh, Come here. You called my friend a f You told him to go f himself? Is that what you did? I didn't told him to go f himself? You f you. Come here. Get him on the phone. Come here. Come here. You go over there right now, you apologize. You better hope he lets you back in. If you ever get out of line over there, you're gonna smash your f***ing head so hard, you won't be able to get that cowboy hat on. You hear me? Sammy, listen. This guy obviously doesn't know who he was talking to. You understand? He doesn't know that uh, we're dear friends. I mean, he's already very sorry. But uh, if you could do me a favor, let him back in. I swear to you, he'll never get out of line again. I promise you that. He does it again, he's out for good. I don't care what it is, Nick. I'm gonna, I'm, I'll never let him in the place again. I'm sorry about this, really. All right, Ace. Thanks, pal. You took your boots off, you put your feet on the table, you kicking, stinky horseman, horse smelling motherfucker, you. You me up over there, I'll stick you in a hole in the desert. You understand? Move in and apologize. Okay, get down. Nicky, I'm sorry. You're dear to me. You know, Ace could be a very touchy guy, especially when he got bigger and bigger in town. Like when he hired that Jonathan and David and their tigers away from the palace by building them a new stage and then giving them a silver Rolls Royce. Well, I'll tell you, he knew how to bring in the crowds. Knew all the angles. He brought over the whole femme fatale show from Paris, but he forgot how lazy them European dancing broads could get. I mean, he had to weigh them in once a week to make sure they didn't blow up like balloons. Goodbye. Grow. Who could Goodbye, grow more than me? Talk about massive potential for growth. I am the little acorn that becomes the oak. You can't go. All the plants are going to die. 